You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with me, Alexander Schacht, and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today we are talking about stepping outside of our core functions as statisticians with your career and what you can learn from that. So stay tuned for this episode with Liz. We had a couple of different episodes about people stepping outside of their career. And so if you want to look into these others, just scroll through the other episodes on your podcast player and you'll surely find a couple of others that will be of interest for you. So this podcast is produced in association with PSI, community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the ever-growing video-on-demand content library, free registration to all the PSI webinars, and much, much more. Head over to psiweb.org to learn about it. Become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician. And today I'm speaking with Liz Thompson. How are you doing? I'm great, Alexander. Thanks a lot for having me. Very, very good. We got introduced by a common friend, Jenny Davenport, who also works at Roche. And we work together on the medical affairs, or no, it's called the launch and life cycle special interest group. But we are not talking about that part. We are talking today about stepping outside of statistics. Maybe speaking about this, you can introduce a little bit of yourself and what you have done until you stepped outside of statistics. Yeah, sure. Of course I can. So yeah, as, as you said, my name is Liz Thompson and I work at Roche Pharmaceuticals in the UK. Um, so Jenny's in Switzerland, I'm in the UK. And I've been here for about the last 15 years. So at Roche for quite a long time. I've been a statistician in the pharmaceutical industry for over 30 years. So I've worked at a number of different pharmaceutical companies. I've worked at CRO. I've worked in the UK. I've worked in the US in a range of different places, different therapeutic areas and increasing levels of responsibility. You know, as you, mm -hmm. as you progress in your career, taking on some line management, some leadership and responsibility for a part of the portfolio. Okay, very good. What did you like so much about being within statistics? So I think for me, I love being a statistician and I truly believe that statistics and data science in the more broader sense can really make a material difference uh, to patients by being their voice to allow the patients via their data to speak. And I think statisticians have that unique ability to interpret that data and give that full voice to the data. Yeah, with all the strengths and all the limitations and all what's possible to say with the data, by patient-level data, uh, data, because very often our colleagues, when they speak about data, they actually refer to the results, not the patient-level data. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, very good. And then you left statistics. Now, this is a really, really interesting step and uh, because... Many of us statisticians 
stay within statistics for their whole career. At some point, you step outside of statistics, which is, a, I'd say, a quite unusual thing. I don't have a statistic about it, but my perception is the vast majority of statisticians stay within statistics for their whole career. What led you to consider that step outside of statistics? I think you're absolutely right. Most statisticians do stay in that career for a long time. And as I said, I love being a statistician. I love leading statisticians and, and developing the next generation of statisticians. And I've always advised the statisticians that I work with to think about what they're really passionate about. What are they good at? And where can they really add value to society, right? When you say, where are they good at? What type of strengths are you thinking about? So I think one of the reasons why statisticians tend to stay where they are is because they focus only on those technical skills they have mm -hmm. as a statistician. And in a fairly broad sense, the technical skills that allow them to influence drug development, their design, their strategy and things like that. But it's really about those statistical skills that allow them to influence the conversation. What I'm thinking about is what else are you good at? actually might be 30 years of drug development experience. I've been to many, many, many health authority interactions. I've developed all kinds of different medicines in different disease areas with different kinds of data and study designs. I've got a broad range of experience. And also I've got a good network across the organization. So for me, when I think about it, When I reflected for myself, what did I want to do? Where was my passion? I was thinking about, I'm really passionate about, a de about developing new mod molecules into new medicines that can directly impact patients, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're all here for. But it was actually being part of those conversations, of building the strategy and the cut and thrust of drug development. I wanted to be in the room. Yeah. rather than leading an organization that was in the room. Instead I mean? of being kind of a functional leader. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to use that 30 years of drug development experience directly on the molecule programs rather than on that, as you said, functional leadership. And so it was about using all of my skills, not just my statistical skills. So I was thinking about that and thinking about where I wanted to develop And I think that in the future, as organizations go to more streamlined, flatter organizations, there's going to be less need for many, many layers of functional leaders. We move away from that hierarchical approach. But actually, what we need is to have more leaders directly working on the molecule programs. So I'm thinking about that, thinking about what I'm passionate about. And Then we hit 2020 and COVID, and there was a call to action. We needed to develop new medicines in a new disease area where we had, nobody knew what the disease was, really. Yeah, yeah. Never mind what the endpoint should be, the design should be, how you would get it through regulatory authorities, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a call to action for leaders to flow to this work, that there was an important need. And it just, for me, was the right thing at the right time that 
this was really calling out to my broader skill set. And that's when I took on this role as a global development leader for a program in the COVID-19 disease area. And I've been doing that for about a year now. That's pretty cool. I love how you talk about these two kind of collections of skills. See, the collection of skills in terms of statistical skills, knowing about design of studies and these kind of things, how you analyze studies. And then the second part, which are more transferable skills, knowing about drug development overall, knowing about interactions with health authorities, your leadership skills that you mentioned, lots of these things. Is there anything in between that, you know, you would say, these are skills that are also transferable, but they are specific for where statisticians are specifically strong at. Of course, kind of talking with regulators, physicians have that, regulatory affairs have that probably the most, and you have knowing about the drug development, well, everybody in, that mm-hmm. works for a long time and that probably has it. Are there any kind of skills where you would say these are transferable skills, but the statisticians are really good at it? So I think, yes, you're right. The, the, a lot of the transferable skills I have, many other people have as well. I would say the key thing for me is that logical, data-driven thinking is something that statisticians don't even think about it as a skill. It's just like who they are really yes. it's in that it's in their dna and that's not necessarily so in other parts of the organization there's more, much more of a still a scientific base but more of a a gut feel and an intrinsic belief in what is the right thing to do so i think it's that logic that great data driven decision making it's that ability to assimilate a lot of information very quickly and analyze it very quickly. And also, I think it is an ability to evaluate evidence, looking at it from all sides. So looking at not just the data, but the whole ecosystem that you're gathering that data from, and what are the pros, what are the cons, what are the risks you're taking, is that a risk that's worth taking, all of those kind of things. I think statistician naturally can think that way. And then the other thing I would say, some of my colleagues would say, they often refer to me, and I don't know whether this is me or statisticians, I think it's more common among statisticians, it's with a common sense department. That's a lot more natural evaluation of what we're trying to do from the logic and the common sense framework. Common sense department, that's an interesting question. What would be the opposite of that common sense? (laughs) So there's a lot of people in our organization who are really, really talented scientists. Maybe they've come from a very academic background. They don't have as much drug development experience and they will get very passionate and enthusiastic and get driven by the enthusiasm, particularly when they treat patients, of holding that in their mind. And that's what's driving their their thought process so is it kind of for these very very patient driven people yes that are very enthusiastic is that that they potentially are too much of afraid of killing a project for example 
I think it's it, it could be killing the project. It could be moving forward with a project, but with a realistic assumption of mm. what the risks are they're taking. Because it's okay yeah. to take risks, right? You know, if we, of don't course, take, yeah. <laughs> if we don't take risks in drug, de- risks in drug development, we won't yeah. get anywhere anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. So it's being able to go in with your eyes open. Yeah, that's a very, very good, good approach. How about being pragmatic? Is that something that statisticians are very good at, especially, or is that something where you would see that's not a specifically striking component for statisticians? Um, no, I, th- I think you're right. I think many, most statisticians are pretty pragmatic. I think that's part of it. And I think there's a willingness to find solutions as well, mm-hmm. pragmatic yeah. solutions. That's really, really good. I love that we talk about it because I very often have the perception these are the, if you think about how you develop your skills, these are kind of the, this is the unknown knowledge, so to say. If you develop knowledge, you step into, you don't know what you don't know, then you know what you don't know, then you know what you know, and then you actually don't know what you know. And most of these things uh, that you just talked about, especially this kind of abstract thinking and st- stuff like this, we are far in this last four fourth point where we take things for granted. We even don't, no, we don't take things for granted. We, we just don't think about them because it's so natural. We have trained for years and years, maybe for decades to, to think that way. Yeah. And so we assume This is nothing that makes us special, but we should recognize these kind of strengths. And I think these help us to, or should help us to be more confident to step outside of statistics and another role. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think one of the things we shouldn't underestimate that broad experience and that way of thinking and what value that adds. I think the other thing that I was going to say, actually, from statisticians is that statisticians can work and often do work right across the enterprise Mm -hmm. from you know from from research to marketing and anywhere in between and that gives you a real breadth of experience around what it takes to make a new medicine right that is really helpful and it also and this is one thing that I think we shouldn't underestimate and it comes into your category you don't even realize you have it is your networks, Mm -hmm. is the networks you build over time, working across a range of different programs and therapeutic areas and geographies and things like that, really expands your network and your relationships with people. And one thing that I would say is I have a network of relationships right across Roche and across the industry as well through things like PSI, where we've developed those networks and relationships over the years. I think that I think is particularly strong amongst the data science and statisticians community. I heard that very early when I was at university, someone else told me, well, great leaders have great networks because that helps them to solve lots of problems get feedback, get understanding, get help, get support. And but it also takes quite a lot of work to, to, to build these networks. What would you recommend to someone that is, let's say, earlier in their career, let's say kind of 
three, four, five years in their career to, to build these networks? My personal advice would be to get involved in a range of things. So mm. it's very tempting, particularly at that time in your career, to go deep, to be really focused on maybe one particular molecule project in one disease area and you're trying to build your experience and your credibility and your you want to take on a more senior role in that and to do that the desire is to go deep i need to be a real expert right mm -hmm. yep and that's true that's that's an important part of how we grow statisticians but i wouldn't let be that be the exclusive thing that you do get involved in other things and things in the in your organization that don't necessarily just have a statistics label on mm -hmm. it you know so for instance i was you know later on in my career i was the pharma development site head for the uk so i was helping to lead the uk site alongside the uk commercial company which gave me a huge insight into what it's like on, on that side. It gave me a lot of different networks and people who I could relate to or experts I could tap into, experiences that I never thought that I would ever have. So, for instance, this is not the first interview I've done, mm -hmm. not that I'm an expert in any way, but I've done them before because of that role as the pharma development site head. And, you know, you start to make connections outside of statistics or outside of Roche that help you in different ways. Now, how do you make time for that? I think it's about thinking yourself as a whole person, you know, in the round. And part of what you do is that day job, that technical yep. statistician. But part of who you are is a leader. And even if you've just three years into your career, you're a leader, you're a leader in waiting and you need to fill that experience out. So it's really about finding the opportunities that don't always take a huge amount of time. They just take some conscious effort to do it. I very often recommend, especially if you sit in these affiliates, yeah, even if mm -hmm. you're having a global role and you sit somewhere in an affiliate, have lunch with people outside your usual colleagues. Have lunch with someone from marketing, someone from PRA, maybe a sales force person that is, you know, in the affiliate and just kind of speak with, with them about kind of what's what's on their mind, what, what, what are they worried about, what are their goals. Then you can always at the end of the discussion speak, uh, ask anybody else you should recommend I should speak to. And, and that way you can grow your network and also increase your knowledge about the overall industry. And that has proven to be really, really successful in creating these connections, but also opening up opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you get something out of it as well. You know, it's not just about networking for networking's sake. It's an enjoyable part of the working life, but you can do it in any number of ways. You know, yeah. I know... In Roche, there's a Roche choir. It goes across the whole side. Yeah, you, know, and yeah. you can be from anywhere, any stage of your career, any kind of person. Not me, can't sing a note. But <laughs> I know there are other yeah. people who've really got to know each other 
just by being part of the Rosh Choir. Yeah. So it's just thinking about where you can do that. Yeah, completely agree. When you stepped outside of statistics, what were kind of for you specific skills that helped you be successful there? So I think we've talked a little bit about being aware of the whole enterprise of drug development. We've talked a little bit about networks, really important. I would say, particularly for this project, um, I was in a collaboration with another company. So the skills of being able to work with a, a, another party who, who have aligned but different interests to you, I think being able to understand that and build trust is really important. But we were working at breakneck speed, you know, emergency situation, and being able to evaluate data quickly mm -hmm. and knowing it won't always be complete or perfect Yeah. But being able to advise the team on what risks they were taking and what was solid that they could make decisions on, that was really important. Yeah, I can imagine. I've seen teams debating for weeks and months over what the data means and not being able to make decisions to move forward. And I think that is one of the key problems that we have. We just very often provide the data, but not helps the people understand what the insights are from these data, what is really the, not just the table, but what kind of assumptions can you make from the table? What kind of conclusions can you do? What kind of actions would be the yeah. next steps? All these yeah. kind of different things. The so what of the yeah. data, you know? Yeah. So, so really being able to do that. And also getting people to uh, be able to move on when something isn't perfect. And not trying to hide that it's not perfect, but being able to say, okay, so maybe this data isn't as complete as you would like it to be. What are the potential implications of that? Well, mm. if it was complete, it could have said this. It could have said that. But it's unlikely that it would have been this scenario. Yeah. So you, you can be confident it's somewhere in between A and B. Yeah. So I think being able to do that and frame that for people is really important. And that definitely comes with your training as a statistician to think about being able to evaluate evidence like that. Yeah. And communicate it then appropriately. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's very good. If someone else is now kind of intrigued about, hmm, never really thought about this, stepping outside of statistics and things hmm, how should I evaluate? What, what kind of options are there? What would you recommend to someone like that? As I said before, I think the key things to think about are what are you passionate about? Mm. What are you good at? And think about it in that wider context. And where can you add value? Mm -hmm. Where would those skills that we've just talked about be able to add value in the organization? And don't think about the functional structure that you have in your organization as a barrier to where those skills might be applied. So I say that's the first thing is, is think mm -hmm. broadly. Secondly, as we discussed, build your network and think about the connections that you would like to have and how that will help you. Don't underestimate those skills that you've got that we were just talking about, those mm. more transferable skills, that drug development experience, that cross-therapeutic area experience. You really don't understand how valuable it is and actually how rare it is to mm -hmm. have that, yeah. That, yeah. that solid drug development experience. And the last thing I would say is 
leadership is just as important, not more important, but just as important as those technical skills. Learning yep. how to communicate, be able to bring a team along with you, enable a team, empower a team to be able to do it for themselves, such that when you succeed, they all come back and said, look what we did, rather than this is what you did as a yep. leader. Yep. Having that empowering leadership, I think those to me, are the key things is just, you know, being passionate about what you do, building your network, use your drug development experience and think about your leadership skills as well as your technical skills. Once recorded an episode about this, that we basically need, you know, the technical skills and the leadership skills, like we need two legs to run. And if you only concentrate on one or only on the other, you'll not move fast. You move, you need to have a good balance between both of them. And then you can go the fastest so uh, it's, it's about the balancing these completely agree with that let's say more tactical next step to think about moving outside of statistics is it that through this network you can then get offered these opportunities or do you talk to people outside of statistics and say i'd be interested in maybe in a career in regulatory or maybe in a career in leading projects or maybe in a career in some other area how, how does that work so i think there's to me there are two steps to it the first step is having a really honest understanding of what your skill sets are and what your passion is and sometimes that's good to find a trusted colleague maybe not in statistics who will give you an honest opinion and reflect mm -hmm. back for you what they see as your skill sets when they see you in action, right? Mm -hmm. And yep. sometimes they'll, they'll surprise you with some of the things that they observe that you don't really consider it a skill, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really, first thing, honest evaluation of where your expertise lies. And then the second thing I would say is having conversations with people in those parts of the organization. As you said, meet them for lunch or a coffee And just have a conversation about those roles, what are they like, how they can, whether you're interested in them and what their paths forward are. So I think to me, those would be the two key things, the honest evaluation and then the conversations with individuals in those organizations. Because you usually find people are very flattered to hear that you're interested in being part of their organization. Yeah, completely agree, because that means they, as a, as a functional leader, convey something that, that is attractive for other people to work in. Yeah. yeah. That is really good. We talked about lots of, lots of great stuff. We talked about what it is that you, as a statistician, makes you really, really good and stand out that you're maybe not even aware about. And that there's lots of transferable skills in terms of logical thinking, about data valuation, about understanding the, the business of roles, the development, communication with regulators and other stakeholders. This kind of end-to-end -end understanding from early clinical up to kind of marketing and commercialization of products. And that there's a lot of these things that can help you to find a way outside of the statistics if that is your passion and that's something that, that you want to pursue. And we also talked 
all kind of tactical next steps that you can do, specifically building your network, evaluating options, and getting this honest external feedback on your skill set. What would be your overall number one career advice when, when thinking about all these kind of different steps that you have been through and, and your long career within the pharmaceutical industry? I think if I could sum it up in, in one piece of advice, I would say, follow your passion. Mm -hmm. You're always going to have more impact. You're going to have more success and you're going to have a bigger influence when you're passionate about what you're doing. You know, those times when you really feel in the flow of work, when time seems to get suspended and it's right on that cusp between how good your skills are and what is demanded of you. You know, mm -hmm. when it's right at that, those two things coming together, that's when we really perform our best and when you can do that on something you're passionate about you'll have huge impact so that's why i would say follow your passion follow your passion that is that is awesome and understand what where your strengths are so that you can follow these that's a very very good point thanks so much liz for this outstanding discussion i really really enjoyed it and i wish you all the best for your future career especially also with your COVID project. Thank you so much, Alexander. It's been great to talk to you. I've really enjoyed it. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain and Casey who helped with the show in the background. And thank you for listening. Reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.